Chapter Thirty One of Gunsight Pass: How Oil Came to the Cattle Country and Brought a New West by William McLeod Rain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Two on the Hilltops. It was the morning after his return. Emerson Crawford helped himself to another fried egg from the platter and shook his knife at the bright-eyed girl opposite. "I tell you, honey, the boy's a wonder," he insisted. "Knows what he wants and goes right after it." Don't waste any words. Don't beat around the bush. Don't let anyone bluff him out. Graham says if I don't want him, he'll give him a responsible job pronto. The girl's trim head tilted to her father in a smile of sweet derision. She was pleased, but she did not intend to say so. I believe you're in love with Dave Sanders, Dad. It's about time for me to be jealous. Crawford defended himself. He's had a hard row to hoe, and he's coming out fine. I aim to give him every chance in the world to make good. It's up to us to stand by him. If he'll let us. Joyce jumped up and ran round the table to him. They were alone, Keith having departed with a top to join his playmates. She sat on the arm of his chair, straight, slim creature, very much alive, and pressed her face of flushed loveliness against his head. It won't be your fault, old duck, if things don't go well with him. You're good the best ever a jim dandy friend but he's so so oh i don't know stiff as a poker acts as if he doesn't want to be friends as if we're all ready to turn against him he makes me good and tired dad why can't he be human now joy you got to remember that he was in prison and had an awful time of it oh yes i remember all that he won't let us forget it it's just like he held us off all the time and insisted on us not forgetting it. I just like to shake the foolishness out of him. A rueful little laugh welled from her throat at the thought. He can't be gay as Bob Hard all at once. Give him time. You're so partial to him you don't see when he's doing wrong. But I see it. Yesterday he hardly spoke when I met him. Ridiculous. It's all right for him to hold back and be kind of reserved with outsiders, but with his friends? You and Bob and old Buck Byington and me, he ought not to shut himself up in an ice cave, and I'm going to tell him so. The cattleman's arm slid around her warm young body and drew her close. She was to him the dearest thing in the world, a never-failing, exquisite wonder and mystery. Sometimes even now he was amazed that this rare spirit had found the breath of life through him. "'You want to remember you're a little lady,' he reproved. "'You wouldn't want to do anything you'd be sorry for, honeybug.' "'I'm not so sure about that,' she flushed, amusement rippling her face. "'Someone's got to blow up that young man like a Dutch uncle, and I think I'm elected. I'll try not to think about being a lady. Then I can do my full duty, Dad.' It'll be fun to see how he takes it. Now, now, he remonstrated. It's all right to be proud, she went on. I wouldn't want to see him hold his head any lower. But there's no sense in being so offish that even his friends have to give him up. And that's what it'll come to if he acts the way he does. Folks will stand just so much. Then they give up trying. I reckon you're right about that, Joy. Of course I'm right. You have to meet your friends halfway. Well, if you talk to him, don't hurt his feelings. There was a glint of mirth in her eyes, almost of friendly malice. I'm going to worry him about my feelings, Dad. He'll not have time to think of his own. Joyce found her chance next day. 
She met David Sanders in front of a drug store. He would have passed with a bow if she had let him. "'What does the oil expert Mr. Graham sent think of our property?' she asked presently, greetings having been exchanged. "'He hasn't given out any official opinion yet, but he's impressed. The report will be favorable, I think.' "'Isn't that good?' "'Couldn't be better,' he admitted. It was a warm day. Joyce glanced at the soda fountain and said demurely, "'My, but it's hot. Won't you come in and have an ice-cream soda on me?' Dave flushed. "'If you'll go as my guest,' he said stiffly. "'How good of you to invite me,' she accepted, laughing but with a tint of warmer color in her cheeks. Rhythmically she moved beside him to a little table in the corner of the drug store. I own stock in the jackpot. You've got to give an accountant to me. Have you found a market yet? The whole southwest will be our market as soon as we can reach it. And when will that be? she asked. I'm having some haul to relieve the glut. The railroad will be operating inside of six weeks. We'll keep number three capped till then and go on drilling in other locations. Burns is spudding in a new well today. The clerk took their order and departed. They were quite alone not within hearing of anybody. Joyce took her fear by the throat and plunged in. "'You mad at me, Mr. Sanders?' she asked jauntily. "'You know I'm not.' "'How do I know it?' she asked innocently. "'You say as little to me as you can and get away from me as quick as you can. Yesterday, for instance, you'd hardly say good morning.' "'I didn't mean to be rude. I was busy,' Dave felt acutely uncomfortable. I'm sorry if I didn't seem sociable. So was Mr. Hart busy, but he had time to stop and say a pleasant word. The brown eyes challenged their vis-a-vis steadily. The young man found nothing to say. He could not explain that he had not lingered because he was giving Bob a chance to see her alone, nor could he tell her that he felt it better for his peace of mind to keep away from her as much as possible. I'm not in the habit of inviting young men to invite me to take a soda, Mr. Sanders, she went on. This is my first offense. I never did it before, and I never expect to again. I do hope the new well will come in a good one. The last sentence was for the benefit of the clerk returning with the ice cream. Looks good, said Dave, playing up. Smut's showing, and you know that's a first-class sign. Bob said it was expected in today or tomorrow. I ask you because I have something to say to you, something I think one of your friends ought to say, and— "'I'm going to do it,' she concluded in a voice modulated just to reach him. The clerk had left the glasses and the check. He was back at the fountain polishing the counter. Sanders waited in silence. He had learned to let the burden of conversation rest on his opponent, and he knew that Joyce just now was in that class. She hesitated, uncertain of her opening. Then, "'You're disappointing your friends, Mr. Sanders,' she said lightly. He did not know what an effort it took to keep her voice from quavering, her hand from trembling as it rested on the onyx top of the table. "'I'm sorry,' he said a second time. "'Perhaps it's our fault. Perhaps we haven't been... friendly enough.' The lifted eyes went straight into his. He found an answer unexpectedly difficult. "'No man has ever had more generous friends,' he said at last, brusquely, his face set hard. The girl guessed at the tense feeling back of his words. "'Let's walk,' she replied, and he noticed that the eyes and mouth had softened to a tender smile. "'I can't talk here, Dave.' They made a pretense of finishing their sodas, 
then walked out of the town into the golden autumn sunlight of the foothills. Neither of them spoke. She carried herself buoyantly, chin up, her face a flushed cameo of loveliness. As she took the uphill trail, a small breath of wind wrapped the white skirt about her slender limbs. He found in her a new note, one of unaccustomed shyness. The silence grew at last too significant. She was driven to break it. I suppose I'm foolish, she began haltingly, but I had been expecting, all of us had, that when you came home from, from Denver, the first time, I mean, you would be the old Dave Sanders we all knew and liked. We wanted our friendship to, to help make up to you for what you must have suffered. We didn't think you would hold us off like this. His eyes narrowed. He looked away at the cedars on the hills painted in lustrous blues and greens and purples, and at the slopes below burnt to exquisite color lights by the fires of fall. But what he saw was a gray prison wall with armed men in the towers. If I could tell you, he said in a whisper to himself, but she just caught the words. Won't you try, she said ever so gently. He could not sully her innocence by telling of the furtive whisperings that had fouled the prison life, made of it an experience degrading and corrosive. He told her instead of the externals of that existence, of how he had risen, dressed, eaten, worked, exercised, and slept under orders. He described to her the cells, four by seven by seven, barred, built in tiers, faced by narrow iron balconies, each containing a stool, a chair, a shelf, a bunk. In his effort to show her the chasm that separated him from her, he did not spare himself at all. Dryly and in clean-cut strokes, he showed her the sordidness of which he had been the victim, and left her to judge for herself of its evil effect on his character. When he had finished, he knew that he had failed. She wept for pity and murmured, you poor boy, you poor boy. He tried again, and this time he drew the moral. Don't you see? I'm a marked man, marked for life. He hesitated, then pushed on. You're fine and clean and generous. What a good father and mother and all this have made you. He swept his hand round in wide gesture to include the sun and the hills and all the brave life of the open. If I come too near you, don't you see I, I taint you? I'm a man who was shut up because— Fiddlesticks! You're a man who's been done a wrong. You mustn't grow morbid over it. After all, you've been found innocent. That isn't what counts. I've been in the penitentiary. Nothing can wipe that out. The stain of it's on me and can't be washed away. She turned on him with a little burst of feminine ferocity. How dare you talk that way, Dave Sanders? I want to be proud of you. We all do. But how can we be if you give up like a quitter? Don't we all have to keep beginning our lives over and over again? Aren't we all forever getting into trouble and getting out of it? A man is as good as he makes himself. It doesn't matter what outside things have happened to him. Don't you dare tell me that my dad wouldn't be worth loving if he'd been in prison forty times. The color crept into his face. I'm not quitting. I'm going through. The point is whether I'm to ask my friends to carry my load for me. What are your friends for? she demanded, and her eyes were like stars in a field of snow. Don't you see? It's an insult to assume they don't want to stand with you in your trouble. 
You've been warped. You're eaten up with vain pride. Joyce bit her lip to choke back a swelling in her throat. The Dave Sanders we used to know wasn't like that. He was friendly and sweet. When folks were kind to him, he was kind to them. He wasn't like, like an old poker. She fell back helplessly on the simile she had used with her father. I don't blame you for feeling that way, he said gently. When I first came out, I did think I'd play a lone hand. I was hard and bitter and defiant. But when I met you all again and found you were just like home folks, all of you so kind and good, far beyond any claims I had on you, why, Miss Joyce, my heart went out to my old friends with a rush. It sure did. Maybe I had to be stiff to keep from being mushy. Oh, if that's it, her eager face flushed and tender, nodded approval. But you've got to look at this my way, too, he urged. I can't repay your father's kindness. Yes, and yours, too, by letting folks couple your name, even in friendship, with a man who— she turned on him, glowing with color. Now that's absurd, Dave Sanders. I'm not a, a nice little china doll. I'm a flesh-and-blood girl, and I'm not a statue on a pedestal. I gotta live just like other people. The trouble with you is that you want to be generous, but you don't want to give other folks a chance to be. Let's stop this foolishness and be sure enough friends, Dave. He took her outstretched hand in his brown palm, smiling down at her. All right. I know when I'm beaten. She beamed. That's the first honest-to-goodness smile I've seen on your face since you came back. I got millions of them in my system, he promised. I've been hoarding them up for years. Don't hoard them any more. Spend them, she urged. I'll take that prescription, Dr. Joyce. And he spent one as evidence of good faith. The soft and shining oval of her face rippled with gladness as a mountain lake sparkles with sunshine and a light summer breeze. I found again that Dave boy I lost, she told him. You won't lose him again, he answered, pushing into the hinterland of his mind the reflection that a man cannot change the color of his thinking in an hour. We thought he'd gone away for good. I'm so glad he hasn't. No. He's been here all the time, but he's been obeying the orders of a man who told him he had no business to be alive. He looked at her with deep, inscrutable eyes. As a boy, he had been shy but impulsive. The fires of discipline had given him remarkable self-restraint. She could not tell he was finding in her face the quality to inspire in a painter a great picture, the expression of that brave young faith which made her a touchstone to find the gold in his soul. Yet in his gravity was something that disturbed her blood. Was she fanning to flame banked fires better dormant? She felt a compunction for what she had done. Maybe she had been unwomanly. It is a penalty impulsive people have to pay that later they must consider whether they have been bold and presumptuous. Her spirits began to drop when she should logically have been celebrating her success. But Dave walked on mountain tops tipped with mellow gold. He threw off the weight that had oppressed his spirits for years and was for the hour a boy again. She had exercised the gloom in which he walked. He looked down on a magnificent flaming desert, and it was good. Today was his. Tomorrow was his. All the tomorrows of the world were in his hand. He refused to analyze the causes of his joy. It was enough 
that beside him moved with charming diffidence the woman of his dreams, that with her soft hands she had torn down the barrier between them. "'And now I don't know whether I've done right,' she said ruefully. "'Dad warned me I'd better be careful, but of course I always know best. I rush in. You've done me a million dollars worth of good. I needed some good friend to tell me just what you have. Please don't regret it. Well, I won't, she added in a hesitant murmur. You won't misunderstand. His look turned aside the long-lashed eyes and brought a faint flush of pink to her cheeks. No, I'll not do that, he said. End of chapter 31